0: I'm Lindsay, and I'm Sarah, and together we're the co-founders of Whale Tales, a living library of cetacean stories.
1: It's Orca Awareness Month, and to celebrate, we
0: are doing things a little bit
1: differently on the podcast.
0: So sit back and enjoy as we dive right in.
1: Orca Month is here!
0: Yay! Bow, bow, bow! Very excited, because it's
2: June, which is the best month. (laughs) um it is june and to celebrate we are releasing not one but four podcast episodes this month
0: What? yep that's right we will be releasing a new episode every week and each episode will dive into one of the killer whale ecotypes that live along the bc coast these
1: episodes may be a bit shorter as we won't be including the fun flipper fact whether the fact or the song oh oh And our storytelling segments won't be here this month either, but we don't want you to worry. They will all come back come summertime.
2: Hooray! So let's get started with a bit of a lay of the land ocean. (laughs) You're so funny. Thanks. As you may know, there are technically three different killer whale ecotypes that call the coast of BC their home uh, for at least a part of the year. Residents, bigs, and offshores. Each ecotype is genetically and
1: culturally distinct from the other two. And if you have listened to previous episodes of our podcast, you know that we have very strong feelings about the fact that the ecotypes, not just the three that live here in British Columbia, but really all killer whale ecotypes should really be considered different species by now. But they aren't. And uh, you don't need to listen to us rant about that again. So, the
0: end. <laughs> <laughs> For now. For now. Um, yeah, this week we're going to introduce you to the least well-known of the four, of the four ecotypes, the offshores.
2: So, offshore killer whales were first seen in British Columbia in 1979 off of Haida but it wasn't until the late 1980s that they were described as a separate, separate ecotype. As the name implies, the offshores tend to occupy the water around the continental shelf, though like other names of the killer whales off of BC, they are changing slightly and are increasingly being spotted close to shore. In 1992, a large group of 75 offshore killer whales appeared near Victoria, which was quite intense, caused quite a stir, but sightings of these animals are still pretty infrequent. Yeah, I've never seen them. Neither.
0: Neither. Neither. Hmm. Sad,
1: sad panda. <laughs> <Sad>, One day, orcas. One day. Sad sea pandas. Uh oh. they are the smallest of the three BC ecotypes growing up to about 6.7 meters or 22 feet long. And they have a more rounded, blunt appearance to their dorsal fin. And there's also less sexual dimorphism between the sexes, which means there's sort of less of a pronounced difference between the male dorsal fins in particular being super big and the females being little. I mean, yeah. they're not really little, not little. But, but the males much are much smaller. <laughs> Yeah, so there isn't as much of a size difference between males and females in the offshores as there are with the other ecotypes. Still, that being said, most people would find it impossible to distinguish them from residents or bigs because they do look like killer whales. Yeah,
0: they, they fit into the sort of average uh, BC killer whale look. Yeah. Um, one thing that is very distinct about them is that they appear to be very far-ranging. In a 2008 paper on offshore killer whales by Dahlheim et al., they calculated some animals moving up to 4,345 kilometers, uh, which is between Dutch Harbor in Alaska and Dana Point, way down in California. Ooh, that's a that's a that's lot. a big range, yeah, yeah. for any animal, for, but especially for yeah, like for a relatively small killer, like a relatively small whale, like a killer whale, yeah. yeah.
2: Uh, studies have allowed scientists to conclude that the North Pacific offshore killer whales are genetically more closely related to residents than they are to bigs, and they are also more acousti- acousti- acoustically active like the residents are. They are found in large groups of 50 to 80 individuals and sometimes over 100, So, which is also s- kind of similar to residents, or at least comparative to the bigs killer whales.
1: They get the biggest groups. Um, and maybe that has something to do with what they feed on. They're thought to prey on a variety of large fish and are frequently seen with significant scars and nicks on their body. Their teeth are also appear very worn down which researchers believe suggests that they are feeding primarily on large sharks because sharks have very rough skin um it's sort of like sandpaper because it's covered in tiny little teeth like structures called dentricles and now i'm going to go off on a tangent about <laughs> sharks no i will not no <laughs> um but additionally, a shark would put up a much bigger fight than, let's say, oh, a salmon if it was trying to be caught to be eaten. These assumptions were actually confirmed in May of 2008 when killer whale researchers Dr. John Ford and Graham Ellis were able to actually study this behavior in person they saw a small group of offshore killer whales actively preying on sleeper sharks so cool oh, man. <laughs> and in addition to actually you know confirming this behavior that researchers had thought for quite some time they also were able to confirm well not so much confirm um but See another behavior frequently seen with bigs and with residents, which is food sharing. Hmm. So the members of the offshore group were bringing pieces of the sleeper sharks up to the surface and sharing them with other members of the group, which is really, really cool. Mm -hmm. Sleeper sharks have huge livers. It can Hmm. count for up to 80% of their total body weight, which is actually fairly common for almost all sharks. Mm -hmm. Their liver is sort of their buoyancy organ. It's what helps keep them afloat in the water. And that is thought to be what offshores are primarily consuming. Because the rest of a shark's body doesn't actually have many nutrients. Yeah.
0: Based on photo identification, which is one of the many tools that has been used for many, many years now with the killer whales off of our coast, uh, scientists believe that there is a minimum of 280 offshore killer whales living off the coast of British Columbia uh, with approximately 130 mature, reproductively capable individuals. Um, So, I mean, that seems like there's a pretty growing population, but I think also the 130 mature is like individuals that are for sure reproductively active um the so this these numbers were assessed as uh threatened by the committee on the status of endangered wildlife in canada or COSEWIC, and in 2008 and then they were listed as such in the species at risk act in 2011
2: like all ecotypes of killer whales a major concern for offshores is their exposure to contaminants in their environment Similar to transients and residents, primary data shows that offshores have a high levels of of POPs, persistent organic pollutants, in their blubber. As offshores may be feeding on longer-lived species of fish, like sharks and rockfish, that accumulate higher levels of toxins than other short-lived species of fish, offshores may be more at risk. Uh, PCBs, PBDEs, DDT, and other chemical contaminants have long-term adverse effects on health and reproduction on these animals, Um, So that is also a risk. Uh, Killer whales are slow reproducing animals normally and a decrease in their low levels of offspring could have a significant effect on their population. Spoiler alert for more episodes
1: coming -hmm. up soon. Also of concern for offshore killer whales is the potential hazard of oil spills. Offshores, possibly more than either residents or bigs, have habitats that overlap with major shipping lanes because they are... Offshore, (laughs) which makes them more likely to encounter a toxic spill. Their observed behavior of traveling in large groups could also mean that a spill would be disastrous because it would affect such a large percentage of their population all at once. So, to help mitigate this threat, all of us can reduce our use of oil and the demand for oil products by making sure that we are doing all of the things that we all know to try and reduce our oil consumption. Um, trying to carpool, use public transit, bike, walk. It's a beautiful day today here, but that means nothing because the weather can change. Um, so just doing your part to buy local products whenever possible, conserve energy in your home throughout the year, uh, and just trying to ultimately use the
2: fewest oil-based products that we can. And that is Offshore Killer Whales. Before we go, we want to take a quick moment to tell you about one of the ways you can support our podcast and everything we do at Whale Tales.
0: We just released a new logo for our podcast. Well, if you haven't seen it, it's very cute. It is an orca listening to headphones through its lower jaw because uh, we are science nerds and that is... <laughs> <laughs> very definitely where how a killer whale would use headphones um <laughs> we love it so much and we hope that you do if you would like to get some merch with that logo on it you can go to our website whale tailsorg and uh we'll have the links there or you can we'll have a link directly in the show notes as well it is
1: awesome uh, we love it We would also really love to hear your thoughts on this episode or, of course, any episode that we've had. So please visit our website, whale tailsorg and find links to our various social media handles so that you can drop us a line.
2: You can also tweet at us directly. I am FHG07, Sarah is Sarah K. Given, no H, and Nicole is Nick F. Can, C-A-N-N. You can also
0: head to our website to subscribe to the podcast,
2: check out the merchandise that I mentioned,
0: learn more about supporting us and becoming a patron, and read over 1,100 whale, dolphin,
2: and porpoise stories. That's whale tailsorg Tales like the story, not tales like the animal. And if you've seen
0: a citation, we would love to add your story to our library. Click the share link on our website, contact us on social media, whale underscore org on Instagram or whaletails.org on Facebook and Twitter, and you, or you can email us a voice memo and tell us all about your incredible encounter.
2: Finally, we want to acknowledge that we recorded today's episode on the unceded territories of the Coast Salish peoples and the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations, as well as the homelands of the Tuwasan First Nation.
1: We will be back next week with another BC Orchid ecotype, but for now, thanks again for listening and for supporting us, and we hope you have a really great day.